0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, New Direction. Happy Father's Day. Woo, 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 woo. Can we clap it up for the fathers? <laughs> Amen. We're just so excited to be together again once again as a body. It is really a privilege when the body of Christ is able to come together and just see the faithfulness of God. Once more, um, it's more than just another week that passes by. Uh, God's grace, his provision, and uh, his power are just so evident in this moment. I'm so excited because today is super, super special. We have an incredible family that's here that God has commissioned to full-time service uh, in the nation of Colombia on the continent of South America. And if you've ever, South America was the first country that I traveled to internationally, I'm sorry, the first continent that I traveled to internationally, particularly in Ecuador. And that is the place where I really had an encounter with God for the nations, to see the needs of people uh, and the brokenness that people need and that they need to encounter the word of God uh, and personal relationship with Jesus. And so... We are so excited to have them here today. They're gonna be sharing. Uh, It's Pastor Juan and his beautiful wife, Melissa Santa Fe, and their two daughters, Emma and Megan, are also here. I'm just gonna read a quick bio for them and then allow them to come on up and just share with us. And so Juan grew up in Bogota, Colombia, and was saved when he was eight, but did not commit his life to Christ until 18. He then studied civil engineering, In the evenings and attended Baptist seminary. Juan served as youth pastor and in 2012 was ordained to become the assistant pastor. Melissa also was saved at a young age. She was saved at four years old. She graduated from Baptist Bible College with an elementary education degree and Bible. She spent two summers serving in Colombia. In 2011, she partnered with Camino Global and served there for two years developing teens and children's ministries. Melissa and Juan met during the time, and the Lord led them to become Camino Global missionaries together and begin church planning in various regions of Colombia. So, how powerful is that? Being obedient to God and then Jesus just hooks you up. Amen. <laughs> And so a little bit about their ministry. Uh, During their last months in Colombia, before they were married, the Lord began to put a burden in their hearts for the city of Medellin. Medellin has suffered years of destructive war against the drug cartels, prostitution, and poverty. The city has very few missionaries and Christian workers spreading the gospel and helping to heal the wounds of the past with the hope of Jesus Christ. They had the privilege of serving with fellow pastor friend in Medellin for a short while. During that time, God strongly gave them a burden to begin a church planning ministry there. Melissa has the burden to reach the children and teens by developing similar ministries as she did in Chia, Colombia. Most importantly, their passion is to use the gifts God has given us, given them, and their willing hearts to develop relationships and disciples for the glory of God. Amen? So we're so excited. I am particularly excited about their vision, One Church, 12 Leaders, 1,000 Christ Followers. So they're going to uh, share a little bit more about that vision, but let's just open up in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, oh God, for this day. We thank you, God, for what you've been doing uh, for this entire month. We thank you, Jesus, that we are able to celebrate Um. Just divine headship, we thank you that you are Abba, Father, and we thank you, God, that today we are able to celebrate our earthly fathers. We pray, oh God, that they are encouraged today in the calling that you have given them over their families. We ask right now, God, that you would, as Juan and Melissa come to share with us, continue to ignite our hearts toward what you're doing in the world. We ask, oh God, that you would give us a deepening passion for sending that you would help us to see the importance of empowering your disciples to go and make disciples. God, we ask that you would empower them and fill them afresh as they speak to us. We commit this time to you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give a warm New Direction welcome to Pastor Juan and Melissa Santa Fe. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. There we go. We are so happy to be here, to be honest. It's, it's, it's incredible how you have welcomed us. It's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing for us. Uh, I would like to start a little bit talking about who we are. Uh, my wife is going to share her testimony later after me. But uh, like I like, like read uh, before, uh, let me show you. This is, this is my family. Yeah. I am the third one of four brothers. My parents are on the bottom of the picture. Every uh, 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 related li- right there is, is my brother's wives, And we had the privilege to grow out in a Christian family. Even uh, the, the Christianity in Colombia is pretty new. Uh, but praise the Lord that my dad was looking uh, for an answer for his life. And he finally found it in Jesus Christ. Uh, through the missionary people that went to Colombia. Uh, since I, I, since, since I remember, I, 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 I went to the church with my parents, yeah? Mm-hmm. But when you became a teenager in Colombia, it's really hard because the Christianity is pretty new. And Bogota, where I am from, is, is a pretty big city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost 8 million people living there. So it's really hard to be a Christian in Colombia. So when I was uh, in my teenage, I was struggling with my faith. I was trying, struggling, uh, obeying God. But my dad always was worried about my spiritual life. And my and my brothers, we, we, we were walking really far away from the Lord. So he decided to send us a Christian camp. And we had the privilege to, to listen to the word of God for five days, completely six days, actually, uh, every, day, every morning, every night, and finally, the, the Lord started touching my heart and say, okay, well, I, I knew that I was a believer, but I, now I, I really commit to the Lord. I, re, I really want to follow him and be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I took the decision to start following Jesus Christ. I've been in my high school, went to college to start a civil engineer, and then I went to a, a Baptist seminary. And I had the privilege that in that time when, after two years in seminary, my, my, my oldest brother and I, we decided to start a youth ministry in our church because it was a pretty small church. Uh, we didn't have enough people, and we didn't have a youth ministry. So we, we started this, this ministry in the beginning was just my, my, my oldest brother, uh, his wife and I, okay. and we get together. <laughs> uh, but eventually, with the time and with the consistency, uh, the people start coming, the young, the young people they, they, they start coming and coming, and, and uh, I became the youth leader, and finally, with my brother got his green card, he moved to the United States. I took the, the, the leadership for myself. Uh, I was the youth leader for a long time, and almost for five years until my dad, he was a pastor, and he decided to plan a church in another place in Colombia, in, in Bogota, so we, he invited me to be part of this, his ministry, and I, I pray, I pray, I pray, and finally, okay, let's go to do it. Let's go to claim this church in a new neighborhood in, in Bogota. So we moved, we, we, we give the ministry to the other people that, that, that was prepared for, for it, and finally we start the church, uh, walking through the streets, trying to evangelize everyone, and finally uh, we find a place, we, we, the people start coming to the church, and we had a beautiful church there, and, and I had the opportunity to be ordained as a pastor uh, there, uh, until my dad, my dad was the senior pastor, and I was the, the uh, associate pastor, but my dad got his green card as well. So he was praying and praying, and okay, he moved to the United States, and I say, okay, who want to take the church? Yeah, there we go, Juan. So I took the church uh, as the senior pastor, and I, I was working there for one year until finally my wife and I decide to, to move to to United States to get a uh, green card. Yeah, there we go, I have my green card. So I decided to study more theology as soon as I got here, and that's what I was doing there in Colombia in. When I got here, I decided to study theology again, and I went to a seminary to study and to get more training. Until the Lord called me again to be, to to go back to my country. So that's a little bit who I am. Now my, my beautiful wife is gonna share. This is, um
2: my family and my parents are. I'm so happy to have my parents here uh, this morning. And I have <laughs> <laughs> I have one sister who is also in the ministry. My father. Uh, oh sure. Um, and I have one sister. One, excuse me. One sister who's in Alaska, who is also in the ministry, and they're four children. Uh, we also had the privilege of growing up in a Christian family. My parents are also BBC grads, and um, they met there. And um, I got saved at a young age, but it wasn't really until my seventh grade year that the Lord got a hold of my heart to truly follow Him. And I dedicated my life to Him. When I was in high school, I started um, this girl's Bible study on Friday nights, and I was 16 years old, and I I, I was very um, naive, but I was very passionate about the Word of God. And I started developing these Bible lessons and having this um, time with the Lord every week in order to disciple some of the other girls in my youth group and in my school. And it was during those Bible studies that I turned around and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm going to be a missionary one day. And she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I changed my career mind a thousand times. But when I made a decision that I wanted to follow the Lord in ministry, I I didn't know exactly how that was gonna unfold and where that was gonna take place, but I knew I was being called to full-time ministry. And so I went to Baptist Bible, I got an elementary education degree along with my Bible degree, and um, it was during those years that I met a Columbian Family, um, Named Karina and Jose Alonso. And they kept pushing for me to go to Colombia, go check out the ministry in Colombia, go check it out. And I went to Haiti a couple times, and I really thought the Lord was leading me to Haiti. I loved the Creole language. and But God just did a 380 in uh, my ministry pursuit. And during my, um, I was in Colombia a couple different summers. And during those summers, I told God, I will never be a missionary here. I don't like it. It's. <laughs> Cold, believe it or not, in Bogota it's cold. It, it, it's people crazy. are cranky. I <laughs> just did not feel a good, a good feel. I, I just didn't feel like this was what God wanted me to do. And I was basing a lot of my decision on my feelings, not on what was true. And what the truth is is that there was a huge need, and I did not want to be the person to make the, meet that need okay. until God broke down my walls of limitations and my expectations. I always wanted to be in the jungles or in Haiti going around barefoot and wearing the same clothes every day. Well, <laughs> Colombia is not like that. <laughs> they actually have a high standard of living, uh, a little of a higher standard of living. <laughs> but uh, the Lord began to work in my heart and open up my eyes to my limitations that I put on God. And when I surrendered, Tr- my will to his. Uh, he opened up my eyes to the need and the um, ministry that God had put in my heart was to develop a children's program. As Juan mentioned, the Christianity in Colombia is not something that's uh, very advanced. There's very little children's ministries, very little youth programs. And so the next generation really does not have a strong... Um, discipleship. It, it really lacks a lot of people investing in their lives and so uh, the Lord led me to, to raise support and I raised support within a year and a half uh, with Camino Global and I was their first sending missionary uh, to be working with Jose and Karina Alonso, the couple that I mentioned earlier. And so the Lord really opened up incredible doors. Um, that couple also introduced us so I owe them my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, That's a little bit about where I come from and how the Lord has been leading my direction to head back to Colombian church planting.
1: All right, all right, you can take that, baby. Uh, Now we want to do something. We we had a game for you, and we we would like to know how much do you know about (laughs) Colombia, right? So we want I wanna explain like how this go, this game is gonna be, right? We we had a, in Colombia something w- that we call tingo tingo tango. So it's like pretty similar to hot potato, yeah. If you have been playing hot potato before, probably you will understand this. But we say tingo tingo. So what we what we wanna say is that Melissa has a Colombian candies right there, yeah? and we. Melissa, I want to give you to someone, and you start passing the candy to the person next to you. And then while we are doing that, we want to say tingo, tingo, tingo. Everyone's going to say tingo, tingo, tingo. Okay. So when I say tango, the person with the, 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 with the back of, with candies. Is gonna answer the next question that we wanna read for you, for you. and see how much you know about Colombia, right? I see the picture right there. I see the I see the the the, the Colombian flag right there. So probably you know a lot about Colombia, right? There we go. Let's go to, to do it. Okay, everyone is gonna repeat with me. Tingo, okay. tingo, tingo, tingo. pass the candy. Tingo, 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 tingo. tango. Tango! There we go! There we go. This is the question. Perfect. This is the question. How many departments or states are in Colombia? A, 10. B, 32. C, 28. D, 15.
0: Uh. What did you
1: say? What did you say? 28? You were close, but no. <laughs> oh, no, we are, we, we are 32. We are 32. The departamentos the, the is how we call it: the departamentos. Okay, so, but it's like the states, okay? okay. Um, so you the, can the, the. The
2: state that we're going to be serving in is called Antioquia. Can you say that? Antioquia. Where my husband is from and where I was serving is called Cundinamarca.
0: Can you say that?
2: <laughs> how do you say How do you say
1: there we go. Cundinamarca, no? No, OK. I understand. Sometimes when I have to say an uh, English word, it's really hard, it's really hard. I, I can't, I can't. There we go, I understand. All right, let's go, let's go. Uh, we want to start for this side again, OK? Everyone with me. One, two, three. Tingo, 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 tango. There we go, there we go, perfect, perfect. Ready, ready, okay, this is the question. What is the percentage of Christianity in Colombia? A, 70%, B, 25%, C, 10%, and D, 5%. Yes, that's right. You got it. <laughs> Colombia, Colombia is more like a Catholic country. Yeah, the the the, the Christian Protestant uh, is really small. It's really small. So it, it, the the Christianity is pretty new in Colombia. So very good, very good. I hope that you enjoyed the candies, the <laughs> Colombian candies. All right. Here we go. Let's do it again. The last one, okay? Okay. Right. okay Here we go. Perfect. Uh, everyone with me. Tingo, 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 tango. There we go. Perfect, perfect. You don't have to cheer now. Here we go. Everyone has his own candy. This is the, this is the question, OK? What is the name of the best Colombian coffee? Oh. Oh. A, Starbucks. <laughs> B, Oma, C, Juan Santa Fe, D, Juan Valdez. Yes. There we go, yes, Juan Valdez, perfect, yeah. that's a great yeah. <laughs> Colombian coffee. <laughs> so you had to enjoy the yeah. Colombian coffee. There we go, yes, <laughs> we, 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 we are a coffee country. We drink coffee for everything. Every day. Every day. Every day. In the mornings we had our cup of coffee. Everyone. Yeah, even child sometimes they start at 10, 12 years old drinking coffee. Really early. Wow. So it's a really important thing in Colombia, the coffee. Okay? So as you can
2: imagine, uh, g- going from the United States to living in another country, there's a lot of changes. I don't know how many of you have ever lived outside of your um, birth home. Anyone? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Well, there's a lot of cross-cultural changes that happen. And some of those, I want to share a little bit about some of those, just because you have an idea of what it's like as someone who is born in one country and then having to live and adapt. And It's been a lifelong adaption since I married a Colombian because we are constantly working through cross-cultural languages and the way we think, the worldview that we have. And so it's it's an ongoing lesson for me personally. But I want to share just a little bit about what my experiences were like. And um, I want to start off by just asking someone a silly question. But uh, you would think... um, Let me just ask you. I have here a roll of toilet paper, and I'm gonna ask someone to show me how much toilet paper you use when you actually go to the bathroom. (laughs) 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 Okay, so something as simple as that, I had to adjust. When you go to a public restroom in Colombia, you have to pay for your own toilet paper. So a lot of the Colombian ladies, they wrap up a bundle of toilet paper and keep it in their purse or their pocket. Well, I never got used to doing that. So every time I went to public, I had to pay for my toilet paper. And this is how much they give you. When you pay 50 cents for a piece of toilet paper, this is how much I had to adapt to using. I mean, something as simple as that, it takes you a little while to um, wait around a little bit before you get off the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's um, some other things that I had to adapt to. There are certain types of foods. Uh, they We tried getting um, some of these ants for you to try, but unfortunately, we couldn't find any. They have... Yeah. <laughs> 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 they have what they call hormigas colonas which are these huge fried ants. They're to the Colombian people they're like a dessert. Well, of course, when you go to someone's home, when you go out to eat with someone and they want to treat you, you have to eat everything that they give you. I was telling my dad yesterday Um, When you go to someone's home, they serve you the amount of food. You don't just pick how much you want. Well, I'm used to having to eat these huge plates of food and eating even if I'm not hungry just so that I don't offend the people that I'm visiting. Well, these uh, Armigas Colonas, they are some crunchy ants, let me tell you. <laughs> well, and, and some of the other uh, foods that I had to adjust to were tamales, ajiaco, lots of different plates, things that I would not normally choose to eat that I learned to enjoy eating because of the environment that I'm in. One of the other cultural changes that um, as missionaries we have to adjust to is the transportation. If you know any um, other country, America is very organized. They follow the rules most of the time. They actually stop at red lights and stop signs. Well, Colombia, it is um, not like that. And for most of the other countries in the the world are not like that. (laughs) Um, And the overcrowded... Buses, uh, my goodness, this was one of my areas where God had to really prune my attitude because every single time I would go into tr- public transportation, I would get pushed, I would fall, I would get kicked. I remember I was pregnant with Emma and I literally was pushed. And thankfully, he caught me or the pole caught me, but they are just so brutal when it comes to public transportation because they all want to get on the bus. And so you're standing. Like this, next to people you don't know, <laughs> breathing on your, down your back, and you breathe. <laughs> it, is, it is just another world when it comes to t- public transportation. So, you might ask, why do people give up what they know, give up what they're comfortable with, give up the American dream? Well, my husband's gonna talk a little bit about why.
1: A little bit, this Entry to the narrow gate, for what is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And this, this, this very is probably the foundation of what we believe and why we want to be a missionaries. Yes, because when Melissa and I, we always knew that we want to be full-time ministry people. Yeah, we, we want to serve the Lord full-time, and we we were in Colombia, we were serving full-time. I was a, a senior pastor, and it wasn't for the pay because it was really, really bad. Like, I mean, really, <laughs> really bad. So, but we know that we wanna serve the Lord, so we we start uh, thinking what is the best place to serve together, and, and we had the opportunity to, to do a survey trips to Medellin. And then, after two survey trips that we, we did uh, to colombia to medellin colombia we came here and uh, we were living in texas and i was just uh, matthew and he say everything that this bird says is happening in medellin mm. everything and we were we were start thinking what are we gonna do we we knew that we want to go back to colombia but as soon as the the start going and going past you start getting in comfort zone. Yeah, and, and we were in a comfort zone. We, we were having a house. We had a nice car. And we, we had our babies. And we had a, a good life in Texas. I, I was with my family. I was with, with, with a great church. I, I had the opportunity to preach, to preach in, in a church there. But we knew that we had to do something in Colombia. We, we knew that the Lord called us to serve in Colombia. And we start taking those steps after we, we read that, and we say, why are we going to go? And we knew that the, the need is huge in Medellin. We, we knew how that, that people need Jesus Christ. And because the Christianity is pretty new in Colombia, and in, in because Medellin has a terrible history, uh, many people didn't want to go to Medellin. Before, and many people don't want to go to Beijing still. So, we, we finally start taking those steps. Why are we going to go? It's because we, we understand that we are called by the Lord. And our purpose in our lives is, is not being here in this world without doing anything for the Lord. Actually, it's doing everything for the Lord and being part of this world. Yeah? So, we start taking those steps, and Melissa dropped a quick care job, and I quit my job. And we finally took the decision to raise support. And we are here, and we are so happy to be here. But the reason that we go is because we knew that the, the need that they have there is, is huge. Yeah. It's huge, and, and our hearts always is there. Yeah, even when we had a good life here, we knew that our hearts are there, and we want to do something there. and We couldn't wait. We, we, we just say, okay, let's go to do what the Lord is calling us to do.
2: Amen. As Juan mentioned, we, were, um, we, we had been praying for the city of Medellin since we, before we were married, and that was about almost five years ago now, and we had taken a couple different trips to Medellin to see the need that was there. Medellin is built within the mountains, and we have in Medellin what they call comunas, which are neighborhoods or communities. There's 13 different communities, and each of those communities have around 200,000 people inside, so Medellin is huge. It has 4 million people, if I'm not mistaken. so we had uh, got to observe all those various communities and the ministries that are within each of those, and uh, my husband got to preach in various um, churches and uh, really had got in a heartbeat of what the Lord is doing in Medellin. And we um, had specifically had a burden for a a community or comuna named Envigado. Envigado is, if you're familiar with Pablo Escobar, but he was one of the um, largest um, drug lords in the world. And he uh, was killed in the nineteen nineties, or if I'm not mistaken, ninety-three. And he that was his home. Envigado is where he grew up. And so Envigado looks at Pablo Escobar as a, a god because Pablo Escobar he had invested in the lives of the poor people. He built them homes and he used those homes for himself because that's where he would hide when the government was trying to kill him for the amount of um, killings and bombings, and he was a terrible man. He was a very, very dangerous man, and so what happened is during the 90s, the 80s and 90s, the missionaries and the pastors and the Christian workers had to flee Medellin because of how dangerous it was, and a lot of missionary agencies pulled out of Medellin and out of Colombia in general, and so when we went, that's really what we saw. It was a spiritual need, not just a physical need because it's a very poor area. They have richer areas as well, and middle-class areas as well, but the great need that we saw was a spiritual need. The fact that there are only two churches in Envigado for 200,000 people is a huge spiritual deficit, and one of the um, concerns is being that it's a very Roman Catholic, I mean, obviously there's Roman Catholic churches on every corner in in Medellin, but when we talk about solid Bible churches, we're referring to where they're actually preaching the word of God and Jesus Christ alone through salvation. That is what's missing, is solid doctrine, solid Bible-believing churches. And so that need is what's really pushing us to leave this country, leave what's comfortable, leave what we thought might be our future so that we can have a a spiritual investment and, uh, and provide hope for those that don't have it.
1: So we had a video for you, uh, let, let's go to the video that you can see a little bit about more Medellin. So, uh, I want to continue with our presentation now, and we're going to talk a little bit what is going to be our ministry in, in Medellin, what we're going to do. So,
0: <laughs>
1: think, well, anyway, so when we had the opportunity to, 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 to visit Medellin, uh, we went to Envigao, like like you see in the video, Envigao is a big, big place. Uh, we went three times to Medellin, and every time that we went there, we trying to find a church to get together to uh, what is the opportunity that the people had to, to, to uh, worship God, to study the Bible. And in the first trip that we did, we couldn't find anything. We couldn't find anything. In the second trip, we found two Bible churches. And since that time, we, we knew that the community of people that lives there is, is a lot of people, and we knew to do something. So we went to Medellin. We visited different parts of the city. Medellin has a lot of people. It's almost 4 million people. And we, we decided to clean a church. Yeah, when we were uh, reading Matthew, uh, these verses Put it in my heart that we had to do something, and the, I I think the best way to reach people is through a church, and especially is that there is a lack of churches. Yeah, when you had a lot of opportunity because there is a lot of people. Uh, so we decided to plan a church. I, when I was studying theology, I had the opportunity to develop a, a leadership program in my classes that we want to implement to 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 train people. So we want to train twelve leaders and. If is, is the Lord is good with us, we want to reach 1,000 Christ followers. We are not saying that every believer that we reach is going to go to the church, but we want to try to reach them for Christ, yeah? So uh, we divide this process in three phases, right? The first phase is evangelize and build relationship with the community through music, sport activities, ch- children's Bible, and English clubs. Hey, uh, we, we believe that is when we go to Medellin, what we learn when, in our survey trips is that how you connect with the people. Hey? And we, as Colombian people, we are so relational people. Yeah? We had to get together and spend a lot of time talking and talking and talking. We are not time oriented, we are late to everything. Late. <laughs> yes, because we are not time oriented. We are more like people, people-oriented. So we would like to church time is we had a lunch, and we had a meeting later up our lunch. Probably we want to be late as we are having a great time in, in lunch. Yeah, the, the, the lunch in Colombia is really important. It's the big meal. So that's the reason that people spend a lot of time in, <laughs> in, in, in lunch. So and when you go to Medellin, the only way, Medellin is a beautiful city because they, they had a really bad background. So they are trying to change that for the last twenty years. So when you go to Medellin, it's a beautiful city. Uh, bec- uh, the weather is, is almost a spring. Uh, we we call it in Spanish the eterna primavera, that it means the, the eternal spring uh, season because the weather is so so nice. And Bogotá is a place that is growing and growing and growing so much. So they try to show that place that the best place to live in Colombia. But as soon as you go there, you see just the exterior. But when you go inside and start talking with the people and developing those relationships, when you really uh, find out how bad is the the, the culture that they had, it's just exterior. So for them, it's really important that, that when you go and spend time with them, uh, you have to show them that you are in pro the city, that you want to help them to, to see the, the, the city much better, much beautiful. Uh, so that's one of the ways that we want to connect with them, is uh, developing those relationships. How we want to develop in those relationships with music, because I was the worship leader. Uh, I, I, I love music. And music is one of the, the, the best ways that the young generation connect with the Lord, yeah? You see that they are with headphones to every place, yeah? The, the iPhone, the new iPhone. They connect really, really easy with music. Also with the sport activities. Uh, we love soccer. When I say sport activities, I just mean uh, soccer, Yeah. Yeah, we, that's the only sport that, that we practice. That's the only sport that we know how to play. And that's the only sport that I know how to play as well. Yeah? <laughs> so we love soccer. We want to connect with the, with, the, the, with the people with, with sport activities and the, the children's Bible and English clubs. Uh, English is a powerful tool to reach people, especially in big cities like Bogotá and Medellín. Uh, they are always looking for, for bilingual people. It, it, when someone opens a, a new job, they are waiting for a bilingual people. And English is, is, is a great need right now in Colombia. Uh, everyone try to, to hire people that is bilingual. So we want to use English to reach people as well. Then after those three, three to four months, we want to begin the discipleship program that I, I was able to, to develop. And the life groups, when we say life group, we, we, we refer to a small groups. Uh, when we were in Texas, we had the opportunity to start a life group. And it was so important for us, and they, they became our family. Every couple that we had in a small group became our family, and we, we were in Texas three, three the, uh, the last week, and it's incredible the love that, that people have for us, yeah? And one of the best experiences that we had in our life is see how the people start growing, yeah. and studying the Bible, and now that, that in this, this visit that we did to Texas, everyone is serving to, to the Lord in different ways, in different ministries, and we say, Praise the Lord for that, because when we started that group, it was just young people without kids uh, just trying to, to find a way to live uh, uh, their life with Christ. But now Christ is the center of their lives, and that's, that's okay. beautiful when you see that. So we believe in the small groups, and that's going to take us another three months. So we had six months already, and then when we had enough people is when we want to start, uh, we want to plant the church. So is when we wanna uh, have a service like this one with Sunday school, uh, with worship time, with uh, uh, intentional Bible study. Uh, when we wanna, when I wanna be preaching the Word of God. So that's gonna be for eight months. That's gonna be the th- the, the three phases that we divide our ministry to plan a church. So and our team, maybe
2: going to touch a little bit on our team. What's really neat is how the Lord has orchestrated the support um, to do everything that we're talking about. To reach a thousand people by ourselves is impossible. The way that God has been working in the lives of um, other couples here in the States, and also the connections that we were able to make in Medellin is incredible. Um, My husband, you can see there, is next to a pastor on the left, is Pastor Diego. Pastor Diego is from Medellin. People from Medellin, we call them paisas. Can you say that? Paisas. So someone that was born and raised in Medellin is a paisa. Well, he is a paisa, and he has been planting churches for 30 years, Bible-solid-believing churches. And he has been a mentor for us. Um, My husband was able to just stay with him for a week back in November, and really had a, a wonderful time connecting and sharing. Um we we got to share with Pastor Diego our phases, how we foresee the church process, um, planting process begin. And he was like, that is exactly what I would recommend, especially in the city of Envigado. And we were like, wow, no way, that's where God's leading us to plant it. And so he was already praying to start a church there. And um is totally behind what God's doing and would like to partner with us in that church planting process. And so what he would like to do is actually send a group of lay workers from his church and provide leaders to do the children's ministries, the music, the English classes, if they, we have to test and see their English level, but um, (laughs) they probably want to do it to learn more English. (laughs) But, uh, and also the soccer camps and also the discipleship, um, being that he has a very well-seasoned church family. And so we're really excited about that because they know the city the best way to reach nationals is through nationals. And th- that's one of the benefits of my husband being uh, a Colombian is that he really can can reach them in a much more profound way than um, someone that's trying to learn the language, trying to learn the culture at the same time. As you can see here on the left and on the right, those are two families that come from our mission agency, Camino Global. Uh, they have been in the process to go to Colombia for years. They've been in the re, uh, support raising process for years. They were actually were raising a support when I was a single missionary. So they had planned to actually go to Colum- uh, Bogota and Chia were, um, where we were working. But we had been praying and praying that God would move in their hearts to want to go to Medellin as well. Over the last year, God has answered that request. He has put within their hearts the same desire to go to Medellin, and they're in Medellin right now. Isn't that amazing? So what's cool is that Juan um, was the bridge between Pastor Diego and the Nationals and Camino Global, our missionary um, agency. He went in November to bridge the two to introduce them, and so the Camino Global leaders and the home office and uh, Pastor Diego and his church leaders—they were able to meet together and were on the same uh, doctrinal level, the same um, ministry uh, methods, and so I'm really grateful for my husband for doing that because now these two missionary couples are actually learning the culture, learning the language in Pastor Diego's church, and so they're they're um, uh, waiting for our. Uh, Return to be able to start the church plant with us. And their giftings are very different than our own. Um, the Q and Anna, they're more involved with media and web design and um, his wife, English, as well as she's an English teacher. So she's going to be a huge help in the ESL program. And the other couple does uh, is a DTS grad as well, and he's going to be doing a lot of discipleship. And so we're really excited to see how God has already provided a group of Believers to go behind this um, church planting process.
1: Amen. Thank you, baby. Uh, yes, we, we are so grateful for that, and we are so grateful for the people that is partnered with us. Uh, we are seventy five percent, and that's just incredible because when you think in the average for every missionary to raise support is almost four years, and we have been raising support for the last nine months. And we are already 75%. That just, just incredible, incredible how God has been open, opening doors for us, how God has been provides the people that want to partner with, with us. And we believe this that this is a team. Everyone that partnered with us is a team. Because we are the people that go, but we are support for the people that is here in the United States supporting us. It, it, it gave us the, 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 the opportunity to be full-time ministry in, in Colombia without worrying for how, how we're gonna eat, how we wanna live. So that's incredible. And we are so happy to say that we are 75%. And we will ask you to consider to partner with us. Yeah. Uh, we we are so so grateful to be here and we wanna encourage you to to also Thing in our ministry, thing in what we want to do, how, uh, what is the opportunities that we had in Colombia to serve, and in order to go to Colombia, we need no new churches, and we would like to happy, to, we would be so happy to be partnered with, uh, with with you as a church, so if you can consider that, that that's so helpful for us, that's going to be a really great for us as well. So if you had any questions for us, I don't know how, how we are in time, we are, Yeah? yeah? So if you have questions for us, just you can start right now. Yes?
0: Testing one, two. Question? I I was gonna, you kind of answered the question already. Is, like, I believe in relationships. Like, that's the only way that you can truly win people. So I think that, I was gonna ask you, like, how do you guys make those meaningful relationships? Like, I'm watching the videos and I can, and I can see how you're connecting with people before you even share the share the
1: gospel. But how do you even like pass that stage in terms of like, yes, you want to teach them English, yes, you want to make sure that people have a, 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 enough to do whatever it is that they're doing. But what are what are some other things that you're that you're doing that maybe we can try to implement in our own
0: lives to try to connect with someone so we can even share the share the gospel with
2: them.
1: Yeah, I believe that one of the Best way to connect with the people is being honest, yeah? That show our witness as well, yeah? People don't, when we connect with the people in Texas, we see that everyone was struggling with something, yeah? Even us, uh, Melissa and I, we struggle sometimes with our language, and we fight for that because she says something in English that I don't get it at all. (laughs) And and I say the same. Thing. I I do something or I say something in Spanish that, that, that she doesn't get it at all. Uh, and that's one of the our witnesses. And people like being honest. Like people like when when you show how you like, like how you are yourself. Yes. So I think when we connect when we try to develop in relationships, it's being honest. It's being honest. It's show who you are. Yeah. And as soon as you show that and you start taking those steps uh, with, with the word of God to change your life is how you really reach the, uh, the people, how you really connect with the people. I think in Colombia it's, it's like that as well because we are so relational people. We like to that, that the people is being honest. Don't try to, be that, don't try to show that they are the, the most holy person in the world because that, that's not, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, Amen. we are human beings. We are in a broken world. It's, it's really hard to 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 tell the people. hey, uh, are you struggling with the Bible? I read the Bible every single day. That's really hard when you try to read the Bible every single day and you are telling the, the people read the Bible. And sometimes you cannot do that. Uh, so you have to be honest. I guess that's that's one of the the, the keys to connect with the people. Amen. To reach them
2: it has been humility, just to humble myself because like I mentioned in some of the cross-cultural experiences, it's very easy for me to be like, oh, the way I do it is better. The way my country does it's better. You know, I I, I really struggle with comparisons because you, that's, it's just hard not to (laughs) when you are used to doing something your whole life and then you have to change your way of thinking and doing something a different way. And my my struggle was always... uh, Um, thinking my way is better, my way is easier, my way is faster. And so for me, when I really understood that connecting with the people was humbling myself and looking at their way um, in their worldview a little differently, um, not with pride but with humility, it it enabled that barrier um, to be destroyed.
0: When I think about Colombia, um, what comes to my mind is the political climate, the danger, uh, the drug cartels. And so my question is, what risk does your ministry face? And how is the church faring in, in, the, in, the, in the turmoil that's occurring in South America at this time?
1: Yes. Uh Let's go to say now that the Colombia is in a great place to go to, to, to Colombia because we don't have the cartels anymore. Yeah, the, the, we, the, the government disappeared the cartels. Uh, we have been in a peace process for the last eight years. We, uh, did you know something about Colombia? Colombia is a, a country that has been in, in a war for almost 70 years. We, we had a war that is inside to the country. We have uh, uh, different groups that, that are against the government. And, uh, and we were living for that for a long, long time. and now, uh, for the last eight years, we have been in this peace process uh, that helped us help, help us as a Colombian people to travel again for the whole country without worries that we're going to be a hostage uh, or a kidnapping. Uh, because that was one of the the situations that we faced when I was a kid. But now, we are in a great place, uh, in a perfect place uh, to to go to Colombia. Actually, as you look at YouTube, many of the American people is traveling to Colombia to show how beautiful is the country, because Colombia is a beautiful country. It's it's green. We had a lot of mountains. We had a lot of waterfalls. We had a a great place. We had incredible beaches. Uh, so, it's a beautiful place to live, if you go to YouTube and you see Colombia. you will always find a, an American guy uh, uh, recording how beautiful is the city, it's, it's pretty safe right now. Of course, we still have a uh, high crime, like in, in big cities we have high crime, there is a places that we don't, we don't want to go later to, uh, uh, that 6 uh, in the afternoon or 7, so. But because I grew up in Colombia, I know how it's the culture, I know what are the places to go. And also, I understand that you had to have in Colombia, even when you are in a good place to live in, you had to have four ices, two right there and two right here. So you had to go and see if you see something different, okay, you just had to start walking faster and things like that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I was laughing earlier. On Melissa's <laughs> comment about the toilet paper, um, those cultural nuances, and I remember in Ecuador you get the toilet paper, but you cannot flush it down the toilet. Yes. So I don't know if it's the same yes, in Colombia yes, because exactly. they're very close. We passed it. That was traumatic. It is. It is. It for is for me. It is, it um, because the septic systems are not as developed, the infrastructure is not as developed, and so if you're not worried about not being able to flush the toilet, then you're worried about driving off the side of a cliff, because there are no barriers to keep you from what's 11,000 feet down, mm. you know, um, so that was really powerful, but my question is about support, just to give context about the power of ascending, what does it take to support your ministry on a monthly basis, in terms of you know, um, what What that really requires.
2: Um, so pretty much we in are asking for support because we uh, don't work outside of the ministry. So we are 24-7 ministry-minded and ministry-building. Um, but we also are supporting the ministry because of the fact that we're starting something new. Um, we're trying to raise... Enough funds for us as a family, but also to support the ministry itself because tithing in Latin America or in Hispanic culture is very very difficult um to teach them biblical tithing because of the fact that the pros the gospel the what is it called the, pros, prosperity. the prosperity gospel in South America is very predominant a lot of the churches have contaminated um tithing contaminated the Hispanic and the Colombian people from wanting to tithe because of the stealing and the corruption within the prosperity gospel wow. and so we have that to deal with but also just because a lot of people aren't going to be believers they're not going to know what tithing even looks like so we are trying to when on a monthly basis raise support for ourselves but also raising support for the ministry to support the ministry and um which is why we, we need to be at 100% in order for us to go. And when are you, when are you looking to? We're, to be able to support ourselves and the ministry, we need around $6,000 a month, um, which sounds high, but that is the budget that the missionaries in um, our mission agency, first off, they are the ones that budgeted this, based off of all of the statistics from all the other missionary fields in South America, and also the missionaries that have Alonso, Jose and Karina Alonso and other missionaries that have been there. So they're the ones that have budgeted, our, budgeted us and require that amount in order for us to even get on the field. We don't receive that full amount, obviously, but that's what's required to have in order for um, us to be able to provide our needs and also the needs of the church.
0: Mm-hmm. And your prayer is to leave by... September, so
1: correct. We, we would like to be fully funded by the end of the summer. So, and we're 75%. We're waiting for another church to support our ministry as well. And we believe that we are re- getting really close. And so by, by, probably by the end of the summer is when we want to be able to go to Colombia.
0: Okay. Any
2: more questions?
0: Okay, wonderful.
2: If you like your prayer cards, there's a brochure with some information if you like to partner with us personally on a personal level, and also sign up for our prayer letter. So please come visit our table and um, sign up. <laughs> mm-hmm. The
0: Santa Fe's have an awesome newsletter that um, is amazing. and really gives you great updates on what their ministries are, because the, the power of prayer, and partnering in prayer for missionaries is crucial. That's, that's paramount. Um, and so we just want to give the Santa Fe's a huge <laughs> hand.
2: Awesome. Thank you.